Welcome to Talking Far, Far Away. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. You are not a Jedi yet. Join Brick City Blockade as we discuss the canon of a galaxy far, far away. I'm ready. Let's do this. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Talking Far, Far Away. It's been quite a while, shall we say, Robin? It's been quite a while indeed. Yeah, but if you can hear my throat and nose, I'm a bit choked up with the colds. Robin hasn't been too well himself um, in hospital. Yeah. We're all rooting for him to come out with, a, with like an off button, but unfortunately never did anything there. No, it's true. You're so right. I mean, I feel like both of us, Scott, are going through different cycles of our colds and trying to figure out where we're at health-wise and... Trying to get back into the flow of things, because there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. I mean, I, well, let's just break down. Over the last few weeks, I've finished up reading a lot of the comics, cut off today. So some of them, I've been okay. Quite, I've, the Vader and the Star Wars comics were really good. Not the after I was kind of meh. Yeah. yeah. It's just been meh. So the Vader and, the Vader and Star Wars just do it there. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, and the Poe Dameron comic ended on a spectacular. So it sets up episode 9 quite nicely, I think. It does. It really does. So if you're hearing, it's Scott and it's Robert. So let's get this chat started. So yesterday, or depends how you look at it, maybe night, last night, your time, but probably this morning when I woke up, you got a bit of news, I would say. A bit of news. And I think we're getting this covered because it has been starting to dribble out, shall we say of the Star Wars live-action TV show. Not the one that was cancelled 10 years ago, Star Wars Underworld. This is Star Wars The Mandalorian, and it's set before, set after Episode 6, but before Episode 7. And so I'm curious what this is going to be about. Obviously, it's going to be about a Mandalorian, but it'd be nice to see the Mandalorians post-Empire, post-Empire, because we've already seen how it's been dealt with Rebels. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, too, is that when this report came out, our good friends over at Making Star Wars, Mr. Jason Ward and Amanda Ward, they were probably one of the first to kind of put it out there and say, you know what, John Favreau has a series that we've been talking about for quite some time. And, Scott, the reports were last week was that John Favreau was going to start this project this week. He was going to start getting into the primary photography and the filming for this. Uh, a lot of different uh, rumors circulating around who the lead character might be in terms of who might be playing them. We'll get into that in a second here. But um, the synopsis itself is absolutely fascinating when that was posted. And it's simply laying the lines of, after the time of Jango Fett and Boba Fett, we have this time that happens just before Force Awakens where there's this Mandalorian who's in the Outer Rim and in, and in the outer regions of the galaxy and is, has almost survived everything that's happened during the, glass, the galactic war between the Empire and the Rebellion. And now they are tasked with having to deal with the rise of the First Order and the New Republic. And this, this is fascinating because this is a timeline that we've seen kind of outlined here and there. I'm specifically going back when I heard this to Chuck Wendig's af- af- Aftermath Empire's End. That time period that followed. What characters could we see come into the equation through this? Does he go and does he pull from characters from Game of Thrones? We know he was involved with Solo. You know, Kira was played by Amelia Clark. 
Star Wars has this way of pulling from different people in the Game of Thrones universe and from different aspects of television. Do, what, what does Jon Favreau do with this? And you're talking about a Mandalorian who has survived everything that Mandalore has been through. You're talking about a Mandalorian in a time where we know Sabine Wren still does exist. Um, where are the connections there? Um, there are a lot of polls, a lot of rumors circulating around that. But I think the one exciting thing about this, Scott, is that um, John Favreau truly, and I guess this is because in my mind wanders to Benioff and Weiss are associated with a project as well. I think he probably went to Benioff and Weiss and said, how do I write a Game of Thrones style TV series? How do I take something like a Mandalorian, put them in this galaxy far, far away in a timeline and within a space that is, to be honest with you, at least we're talking about a period that has been covered in novels and in comic books slightly and is an area that still could expand itself even more. But you have to be careful at the same time. That, that's, that's where I'm playing on this, too, is that if you're talking about a Mandalorian that is around during this time, all right? One thing if you say Sabine Wren. They mentioned the name, and I'm going to be curious to hear your thoughts on this. He mentions the Fets, and yeah. we, we, we know with Boba Fett, we know what his uh, task was uh, in Return of the Jedi, and supposedly the whole thing is, did he survive the Sarlacc? And my mindset on it is, it's like that was the one Mandalorian at the time that we truly knew about. You're going to have to really pull in some backstory on who this person is. You're going to really have to build up the canon timeline of, especially if this character is in their 20s or 30s, then you're talking about a backstory that goes, you know, to around Return of the Jedi when Boba Fett was around. Where are the connections there? Is there familial co connections in this? There's just so many questions that I have when it comes to this. But again, and I'm, and Scott, what did we see in Solo, a Star Wars story, in the background of uh, Dryden Voss's ship? We saw a so, Mandalorian armor. Yeah. So and, uh, uh, I was wondering if it was like a little bit, now that I think about it, I'm like, ah, John Favreau putting the teaser in Dryden Voss's ship. Possibly. I think uh, this new Fett's going to be called Jesse Fett. I like that. Yeah. Jesse Fett. Jesse Fett. You know, it's like she's the she's the long lost sister of Boba Fett, and I'm, I'm kind of joking, yeah. But I'm just I, I, no, no, no. But you know, you joke about it, but at the same time, I, I think that there's an interesting dynamic with what you're saying because the Fett where I don't, comes yeah. Into, yeah, yeah, yeah. That there's there's something because we've seen that with Star Wars. I mean, even with Harrison Dula, suddenly Jason Sandula shows up. It's like, whoa, wait a second, we're, there's a whole other familial connection right there that we did not expect. There could be something weird in there that you kind of look at it and you're like, mm, this could be a young bounty hunter slash somebody who's exploited. I don't know. But John Favreau is the only one that knows exactly what's going on. And uh, I don't know, Scott. I, I, there's just so many different questions now surrounding this project. Well, we know that Floney's going to be on it. Correct. And he is directing a few of the episodes. Yeah, he's going Kevin Smith style. He's he's taking like almost a, a page from him. It's like, yeah, I'll direct this episode. Then I'll give John some space. Maybe get yeah. some guest directors in here on a couple episodes, and then I'm gonna come back and do another one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And with uh, with Flory's history of Mandal Mandalorian's Mandalore from Clone Wars to Rebels. Who's the best person for John Favreau to lean on? Dave Flory. Yeah. So, you know, we've got that there. And 
if you do working with Lorian, how to get like to make a Star Wars series flow. I mean, I know you said Benny Wise and the guys from Game of Thrones, but then they have the expertise on how to do like a story from season one, season two, and then bring it back to season four. Right, right. Where Floney is quite good. It's very good at the same time, but it's good at reading stuff. And I mean, how many times did we see on the Rebels recap that some more episodes were pretty much? There wasn't much to it. But right, then right, were, right. Like the whales, the, the whales from season two or three from. Oh, Rebels. the Purgles, yeah. Yeah, and then they put pop up in season four in the finale. Yeah. So there was something there that brought it together. So Flory would be quite good at that to bring us all together that way and to help Fatal. But Fatal's a busy man. He's got Lion King. He's doing some of the stuff, the Marvel movies, and doing this. Does this guy never get a rest? Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, he gets a role in Solo Star Wars Story as Rio, and to be honest with you, the character didn't last as long. Uh, it was a voice acting role that he took on for Ron Howard, but. <laughs> Again, how much of that was Ron Howard allowing John Favreau to be behind the scenes and say, this is what it takes to direct a Star Wars? Yeah. That was Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger's way of saying, listen, we're going to give you this voice acting role as this character of Rio, but we want you to carefully watch Ron Howard and watch the way that he directs a Star Wars movie and watch the way that he works with characters. Because to be honest with you, Ron Howard worked directly under George Lucas at one point. So yeah. learn from Ron Howard because we can't let you learn from George Lucas right now. It's the closest thing we faster, have. Faster, more tense, faster, more <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And I think that John Favreau probably picked up on that style very quick. And for him to meet with Filoni at, at, at the ranch not that long ago, and yeah, to sure. probably, yeah, and probably to talk about what that series is going to be about, to get this title means a lot. And to get a, even a brief synopsis. It's very, very cool because guess what? It means that this project is underway. I mean, do you think we'll get some characters, the original trilogy characters? So do you think a younger Princess Leia might show up, a younger Skywalker, even like the Huts, do you think they'll appear? Not Jabba, but like, do you think this, this show could deal with the aftermath of Jabba? Because we've never seen how that's been dealt with because we know how big Jabba was. A big crime lord from episode one, probably pre-episode one, right up to his death in Return of the Jedi. So I could we see the, the Hutts want revenge for the death of, of the Jabba? Or will that just be completely ignored and left for a movie or, or a book? Yeah, I'm wondering if, and maybe John Favreau is going to do pull a J.J. Abrams here. And we saw it with specifically The Force Awakens, obviously there's these other criminal organizations that are out there. Um, you know, Ganja there's... Club. Yeah, right, right. Ganja Club. You know, there's there's these other groups that are out there that probably are in competition to try to, you know, obviously get information. That's what Ganja Club was after. Yeah, they... Yeah, Han owed, owed the money, but at the same time, there was this entire, like, radio out to all of these underground organizations saying... Look out for the droid in this girl and, and a, an escaped stormtrooper. They were more interested in that because the payday, much like what DJ saw in The Last Jedi, the payday was so much better. Yeah. So I think that DJ in The Last Jedi and having Conjure Club and, uh, and all these other, the Guavian Death Gang and everything, is just a great way of showing, like, okay, these criminal organizations, even past Jabba, still existed and probably took over exactly what he left behind in many ways. Probably took over many of the same 
uh, attitudes, many of the same uh, uh, smuggling paths and trade lines that, that originally the huts had. Um, and I'm sure that that was a battle at the time over all that. So do we see that? Do we see almost this intergalactic gang war? I'm going to put it that way. Between all of these different criminal organizations <coughs> over, over the Hutis um, trade paths and over their um, control of the galaxy in terms of crime. Do we see this Mandalorian get involved in some of that? And is it an avenge of Boba Fett's death? Is it, you know, something along those lines? And it's, and I think that there is room for that because Solo, a Star Wars story, does such a good job of showing us what the underground looks like and how important that is to the Star Wars story. Um, Solo, a Star Wars story, for me, and I'll say this, it's not a review of the movie like we've done plenty of, but it's a review of, yes, it was a story about Han, but it was actually truly an underground story of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, That's truly what it was. And that's what John wants to pick up on, which is why he was put behind the scenes on Solo, a Star Wars story, to be like, this is what criminal organizations, and this is how they run in this galaxy far, far away. So yeah, I quite like that theory actually. I mean, we are going to be in a time of the galaxy where things are a bit more of a chaos because everybody's scrambling yeah. to figure figure out how to bring the galaxy together. Yeah, that's, you, that's that, that's the great thing about this series. You mentioned the young Luke and Leia, which was the original question because I took it off. <laughs> so let me answer that question. Um, young Luke and Leia. I definitely think there's a possibility because of the technology that we have. I think that yeah. that's, there's stuff out there that they can manipulate. There's the technology that they're trying to explore to allow young Leia to suddenly show up in an episode. Um, listen, great opportunity, great opportunity to suddenly get Sebastian Stan all made up and do something. Um, if Mark, you know, cause Mark Hamill's at that point where it's like, yeah, I don't know if we can really play around with it right there. He's right in the middle. Correct. Um, you know, there, there, there's an interesting timeline where you could play around. I'm going to be honest with you. The one character I would love to see show up right around this time is that this Mandalorian not only has to fight with the criminal organizations, but they have to fight with the destruction of the Empire and the rise of the First Order. Yeah. And that character is Ray Sloan. I would oh. love to see. This is the perfect chance to put Ray Sloan into a live-action TV series and have her be the villain on the side of the transition between the Empire and the First Order. Yeah, I think when we spoke with Ken, I think we mentioned that was one character we want more of a, a, a more of a, 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 a presence. More. Yes, that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. You must be <laughs> <laughs> over thousands of miles away. Um, but yeah, more of a presence in the universe. As much as she's in the books, comics. Um, she's never made that presence on screen, whether it's around the time of Rebels or even in the movies. Well, obviously not those movies, because that was movies back in the 70s and 80s. Right. But even like, um, Rogue One should make an appearance, and uh, it would be so good if she was made an appearance in Episode 8, because to see how... She was there at the formation of First Order. She had to have been. She had to have been. Yeah. So there's no way. If you Spoiler that... It's been out for over a year now. If you haven't read it back then, <laughs> that's right. You pretty much find out where Ray Slo Sloan uh, ends up. I mean, she did appear in Shattered Empire, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she did she not get a mention as well in Battlefront Two? Yeah, well. of course yeah. she did. So the other characters constantly referenced, and nowhere to be seen in live action or animation. Animation. So yeah, I totally agree. She has to show up. 
Um, because I don't think we're just going to see if, like, this is Mandal- the Mandalorian. But I think we could see some of the First Orders as suggested in the synopsis. Mm-hmm. I don't see that being done in a movie or a book. I just see that. This is their chance to see that this Mandalorian could, like, be on a mission to find out more about this First Order for the New Republic. So, you know, we've got so much ideas on what this could be about. I just had, I just had something kind of pop into my mind. This is the beauty of Star Wars Conversations. Is, <clears throat> is the idea that if we have Dave Filoni direct a couple of episodes <laughs> and we have him really break down what's going on with the Mandalorian, my mind kind of goes to the edge of, okay, if you're going to do that, and let's say you do want to get into a little bit of the early First Order discussion and you want to build on a character like Ray Sloan and you want to build on the development of how the Empire transitioned and how that affects the world of smuggling and the trade routes and, and the underground movement in the Star Wars universe, I almost think you call in Chuck Wendig and you say, but listen, buddy, direct a couple episodes that outline Ray Sloan and the First Order. Do, yeah. just, just come in, take what you've been able to give us in the Aftermath series and, and just take that magic and apply it to this. Because, again, the first book in the Aftermath series is the hardest to follow in so many <laughs> ways. It is really, Chuck, I love you but it is the hardest one to follow. It's really not until you get to the, to the end of life debt and then into Empire's End that you really get the feel of Chuck knows what's going on in the Star Wars universe at this time. He has a clear understanding of how the transitions in the timeline happen. He should direct if Ray Sloan is in an episode or in a couple of episodes or whether they want to talk about the development of the First Order alongside Hux. I mean, Senior Hux, I, I think you have to throw him in there somewhere with the rise of Young Hux, too. Um, yeah. I think that there has to be some kind of development in there. And, uh, yes, you got to get Chuck to do a couple of them. But the question with Hux, would they touch that, even though he's in the movies? No, because you, you would just get an actor to play his father is what you do. You wouldn't so, show Young Hux just yet. You would show his interactions with Sloan because they do a lot of cooperative. Yeah projects with each other. Yeah, because yeah, uh, by that time he's still around because he's in the Phasma novel. So, right. yeah, there's, there, there is a lot of opportunities in this. As you said, that we start, this is a this is a timeline that's very, very unknown to everybody. It's a timeline that we're, we're begging <laughs> to, to try and explore more. Yeah. Since, uh, I, as I, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, I do feel that the timeline between episodes three and four and the Empire Strikes Back, uh, the, the original Star Wars timeline mm-hmm. era, it has been done to quite a bit of death at the moment. Yeah, uh, a lot has. of brands are kind of like, just like, give us something else, give us something else. We've had Rebels, we've had Rogue One, we've had Solo, we're desperate for something just to expand it more and we are going to get it with the Mandalorian. Is that, it just feels we'll call it the Mandalorian, even though it's before we started recording, I was calling it the Mandarin. <laughs> I think for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Wrong universe, under the same house, though. Under yes, house yes that is right. You do have so the you, house correct. Is there anything else you can, you can come up with? Really? I mean, I think one other thing, too, and I think the community has actually, and let me say this much, I've actually been very impressed with how social media has handled this because I thought for sure there were going to be people going on social media being like, oh, they're retconning Boba Fett. He survives the Sarlacc pit. No, no, everybody's really excited to see what this could be within this timeline. I think the timeline 
surprised a lot of people. Yeah. I think that whole idea of having it happen in between episode six and episode seven was a real shocker to a lot of people. And that's why it gained so much traction on social media and with the fans is because, holy cow, there's a Mandalorian that survived everything that happened during the galactic struggle between the Empire and the, and the, and the, and the uh, Rebellion. And now they have to go through more trials and tribulations as the uh, new new Republic and uh, the First Order now rise. And uh, I think that the fandom has done a great job of just kind of taking a step back on this one and saying, you know what, we're going to let John do his thing. That's That's all I think we can ask for. Especially when you see him talking with Dave Filoni and Ron Howard. It's like, all right, <laughs> you can trust this guy. He, he's not somebody you have to worry about. Yeah. And John, we trust. Yeah. And John, we yeah. trust. Yeah. There we go. Get that on his t-shirt. And John, hey. we trust. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, before we wrap up, there is a little Star Wars show starting shortly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm super excited about this one, too. Yeah. Star Wars Resistance. Mm. The storms. The way you can say it in French, it might sound romantic. So it's the storm. <laughs> um, I've seen now that we start out, uh, our good friend Stephen Stanton. He's a uh, and a character in the series. I can't remember who's playing again. Um, Off the top of my head, I don't know, but uh, we'll make sure to fix that up for you. Yeah, and Donald. Oh, I keep getting his last name. Fisher, Phasm. Yes, 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 yes. And a few other people are well aware of them. Um, again, this is a series, like, what annoys me is everybody's expecting another Rebels and all Clone Wars. We kind of spoken about it before, but I'm kind of, maybe maybe it's best not to go that route. We've, maybe a, a refresh, you know, a wee bit of light mood at the moment. Not like um, what they're doing with Thundercats, this Thundercats Roars cartoon earlier that destroyed my childhood. <laughs> uh, but you know something like not too silly but again this is going to be aimed on Disney I don't think kids are going to be up at 10 o'clock night watching it when it yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean the, the timing is very weird um, and what's weird is you mentioned Disney XD too it's, it's going to be shown on Disney Channel as well which is interesting because for cable package owners for cable package owners you you you're going to be able to see this uh, if you have the extended cable here in the United States or you're like us and you wait for the digital release or you wait for it to be released online. Uh, and, you know, that's the whole thing. Scott says that doesn't happen. But that's all right. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, it it's really interesting to see that they chose that time for it to happen yeah. because this is, I feel, is probably going to be one of the most kid-friendly Star Wars shows we have seen in a while. I think more than Resistance, or not Resistance, more than Star Wars Rebels, more than Clone Wars. I think this is truly catered to the young Star Wars audience who is now finally starting to learn about this galaxy far, far away. And you throw a Poe Dameron in there, you throw a Captain Phasma, you throw these young characters who, in many ways, I love the idea of them racing X-Wings and Starfighters for fun and, like, doing it for competition. And then suddenly they get this prospect that Poe Dameron's like, oh, we might actually need them. And then there's the tease of Starkiller Base. And then there's all these other different things that Resistance kind of teases at. And you look at it and you're like, wow, you know what? This is going to be a nice show for everybody. This is the show for dads and moms to sit down or with their kids and just say, you know what? This is what Star Wars is about. It's about having fun. It's about being different. 
right? Star Wars yeah. has always taught us, Scott, that it's okay to be different. This show shows that 100%, and I love it. And I think that its goal is truly to show that, again, within that timeline before Force Awakens, there's a lot of things that happened, and a lot of young people got involved and mm-hmm. wanted to make a difference. And I think that it's got the right message at the right time in the world that we live in right now for the, for kids that are going to watch it. The animation style is very interesting. I think yeah. it meets more Disney XD and Disney Channel feel. And I think in terms of when we do Resistance Recap, of course, I think we're going to do a lot of, uh, of fallback and we're going to look at it. And I think the toughest thing for a lot of us is going to be because of Star Wars Rebels Recap is the whole concept of this is going to be very different. This is We're not going to be able to look at this the same way in a recap that we did Star Wars Rebels. And that has me excited because it's almost like we're back to square one again, like what we did with Rebels recap. It's, it's, it's almost like we have to figure out this galaxy far, far away once again, which is really, really cool. And for kids, it's a really great time, I, 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 just from what I've seen. Yeah, I think a lot of the marketers kind of hit on a lot of stuff. Yes. They, they don't want to show us it too much. Um, just like the first couple of Force Awakens shows, before you start getting the other trailer coming out yeah. after that. Um, and it kind of hit everything. So I think people are giving it this, um, oh, it's too kid-friendly, kid, kid but it's actually, you know, you're saying it yourself, like we see Starkiller Base and we see them going on more dangerous missions. But, you know, they, they've lived in a time where these are people who weren't around when, maybe one or two of them, but weren't around when the Empire was around. They've yeah. only grown up as a t- during a time when the New York, the first, uh, the New Republic was around. They've lived in peace for, and prosperity, as Palpatine would once say. So to see like the First Order and all that, like they, they're, they're not grappled with it yet until <laughs> until it happens. But I'm, I'm curious though. This is set, six months before Force Awakens. Now, if it gets mm. if it goes into a second season. It's just going to be set post last year. We'll have to remember a lot of the star fighters and all that were destroyed. So it kind of, this is where it kind of could come into conflict with Karen a wee bit. As uh, we all say, in Filoni we trust. I, I think that Filoni's probably got the right team behind this to, to say, okay, th- th- in terms of canon continuity, it's time to pull the plug on this. Like, yeah. I, I, that's how I feel about it. I think one season of this makes sense for right now. Let's pump the brakes. Let's focus on the first season. I think we did that with Rebels, too. Let's focus on the first season. We don't know where it's going to go. This looks interesting. It looks, I'm going to be honest with you, we said it with Rebels. This looks a little bit too kiddie-ish for us. This looks like <laughs> it's going to be a Resistance could take a very different path. It yeah. could take a very different path. And in a second season, you could be looking at post-Last Jedi, and you could be looking at a very dark galaxy. And a yes. lot of the stories about what Poe Dameron, we see that in the Poe Dameron comic. That's what I, another thing that I love about Resistance is that we're con- making connections between the Poe Dameron comic and things that he was doing with, with Wexley and the rest of the crew and what these kids are off doing. Do yeah. we see bridges between the comic books and television? Do we see that finally start to happen? Do we see those stories kind of intertwine at places? While, while Poe Dameron is off on a mission with them, the kids are running the mission, the, the scouting mission. You know what I mean? Up yeah. for, for the next episode or for the next comic book. I'm trying to think because we've always worried that. 
that we've always said that we want them to connect. And we kind of got that with Solo in a way. A little bit, yeah. We got it a little bit, uh, not too much. Uh, the problem is, like, the, the Solo came out, then you had the Lando comic come out after it. So it didn't really connect. Right. Because you can't really, if it did it before. But then we've had there people who say that, for instance, Holdo's character, yeah, uh, Laura didn't even know about the, the character from, but again, it was written while she was filming. Right. So how could you know about it? So yeah. would have made a difference. And also the character would have matched what you saw last year. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's, it's, it's quite tough because you, I, I want it again. If you've ever heard Christian Harloff and Jenna Council that, or even Clyder live, he has said that he's, this is the one thing that gets him very frustrated. Nobody will cross this connector. And I would like to hope that Resistance finally does that. Mm-hmm. Do we see Jess Pava show up? Do we see some of these other members of Black Squadron suddenly show up? I'm going to bet that Wesley will show up. Yeah, oh yes, absolutely. You're going to see Greg Grumberg come back and do the voice of, of Wex. Well, yeah, because he's in episode 9. So Correct. I think he will, he will show up in this. And uh, Will you see Adam Driver show up as uh, Kyle Ren? That's a good question. I think, I again, that's one of those fine lines. It's like, do, what, where do you make those choices in this TV yeah. series? I think kids really, and this is interesting, because I, being a teacher, I'm always talking with my students about how they feel about Star Wars. They love the Rebellion. There are so many kids that I talk to that are like, I love Kylo Ren. I love the First Order. I love the dark side. And it's funny because we're talking about a generation where we're like, oh, they really like the kiddie stuff. Uh-uh. There are some kids out there that really like how dark Star Wars gets into the Starkiller base, talking about Captain Phasma. I think if Phasma's in this, yeah, you almost have to have even Hux show up or have Kylo Ren and, and have Adam Driver and maybe Donald Gleason voice in a quick episode. Maybe, hopefully this will help to kind of develop Phasma more. I know, that's the whole thing. That's, that's one thing that's been kind of lacking. And if it do do it, then it would be quite nice to just explore that character a bit more. Yes. That, and kind of connect it with the book, that, the Phasma book. And no, that's, I was going to say the Phasma well, comic. Because that's, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's post. There's so many things that try to keep up. <laughs> it is. There's a lot out there, and it's hard to keep up at times. And, I mean, I've talked to people across Twitter, Scott, and they're like, a period of time where we didn't get much Star Wars news, now we're starting to get everything. And it's like, well, we're back into the rush of Star Wars again. Now that we're hitting, even though there's no movie this December, it seems like this fall, December time, they like to pack in the news for the fans. So. Yeah, I, think, I think that in January we're going to get that first bit of news about uh, episode night. Although I yeah. do have a Star Wars movie this Christmas. I do have one. I'm going to go and see episode four, but in concert with the movie playing in the background. Uh, that's pretty cool. So I get my Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. I'll be at probably watching Ewoks and Endor and the holiday special. Uh, life Day. Uh, good old Life Day. Yeah, we'll be after. Nothing, nothing screams the holiday season more than seeing Lumpy and that gorgeous little, little smile that he gives. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Uh, Han shows up in the room and is like, what the heck? I'm not paying enough for this. 
<laughs> I came in to fix uh, cabinets. I didn't uh, yeah. sign up. Give me a wet towel with your Dana Jones. I love it. But she did a couple of years later. So I think that's us pretty much covered. We are kind of going to do a resistance recap. Yes, that's super yes. about that too. Yeah, it's going to be the same old crew. Scott Inch, myself, Brian Fontaine, and sometimes if one of us can't make it, you may hear Chris Letty, you may hear Sean Michaud, you may hear James Brown. If you find a way to get some uh, resistance recap going, we're super excited. The logo will be re- uh, released very soon. You may have seen a preview back um, probably towards the beginning of this year, but it's going to be updated as we get closer and closer to match the personality of this upcoming television series. It's going to be a busy day on Sunday because we've got Doctor Who returning as well. I know. It's going to yeah. be interesting Sunday indeed. Yeah, Sunday's going to be busy now. Doctor Who and uh, Star Wars. I know. And they Star Trek. Yeah, well, yeah. God. I mean, how am I going to live? Have I got a living with that? Oh, I'll live. You'll live. I'll live. I'll live. So, it comes to that point of the show that we like to say. We haven't said it in a while. Plug time! It's plug time! Maybe plug everything in to find out where we are on the world of social media. Mr. Robin Volt, where are you on the world of social media? Uh, you guys can follow me <laughs> over on Twitter at Mr. Vote Tweets. Follow all my tomfoolery in the Star Wars universe over on Instagram at the official vote, www.brickcityblockade.com for everything happening in a galaxy far, far away and everything happening at the wonderful podcast network known as the Brick City Blockade, TeePublic, uh, Patreon, listening to podcast episodes. All the links are over there on the website, so check that out. And over on our Facebook page, a lot of upcoming events. We, I, I just want to quickly say thank you. To everybody who made the Starlight Children's Foundation uh, a galaxy of hope promotion and our uh, foundation work uh, possible. We reached over our $1,000 goal more recently, so we're super excited. And we are going to continue our galaxy of hope. We're going to extend it beyond that. We're going to help out more kids. We're going to help out more families who are in pain or feel that stress of being in a hospital, even for just one night. We're going to end those feelings here at the Brick City Blockade, and we're going to do everything we can to help out everybody in any way possible. So please make sure to donate. Link can be found on Facebook and on the website. It's a very, very worthy cause. Big shout out to Stephen Stanton. We couldn't do it without you, Stephen. Yes, definitely. He's a good guy. Yes. And you can find me, find out how to cure a common cold on Facebook. (laughs) 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 I Scott and Shady And as we always say, may the force be with you. Always. <sighs> 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 <sighs>